urge to create is drilled down so deep into the human soul it cannot be removed, and its fruit is endless. Paintings on cave walls, a child's stack of blocks, books, sculptures, movies, skyscrapers, bridges, treatises, poems, plays, and so many more I cannot list them all. I would argue that every single soul has something unique it longs to make. But awakening yourself to inspiration can be frightening. And the journey from inspiration to execution is perilous. It is strewn with the bones of those who never made it. It will test every fiber, hammer every nugget of hope, and make you wonder if you're crazy. But like I said, that creative spirit cannot be extracted. It can only be killed. We gotta find a way to give it life while we still can. There are worlds inside us, and only we can bring them into being. My name's Ransom, and you're listening to the ramblings of a revenant alien. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Rowdy Randy's After Party. We are in Double Digits People, Episode 10. Amazing. Thanks for being part of the journey. If you like taking walkabouts in the wilderness of the mind, you're in the right place. And if it's your first time here in the show, thanks for stopping by. I hope you find it stimulating. Settle your soul, open your imagination, and let yourself be galvanized by a few verbal vignettes and some sweet, salty blues. Wherever this day or night finds you, I hope my words give you fuel for your fire. Hope you find some light to take with you on your journey. And if so, hold it high and pass it on. And now that we're all here, let's get to the rambling. There's a book I have tucked into a drawer in my house that I will never throw away. It's dog-eared and thumbed through and underlined, and it bears rereading often. It's one of the best books on creating that I've ever read, and I think the title will tell you why. It's called Art and Fear, Observations on the Perils and Rewards of Art Making, by David Bales and Ted Orland. I'll include a link in the show notes and one for every other book I'll mention today. But, Art and Fear. How to sum up this book and what it means to me. Perhaps more than anything else, it captures the artist's experience. The uncertainty. The magic. The revelations. The pain and the pleasure. It's hard being a creator 
whether it's fine art or inventions or new systems or data analysis, to follow your muse without caring what other people think, to make bold and truthful choices with the full knowledge that they may be rejected outright. That's hard. And art and fear honors that struggle. I mean, it's like reading my own diary. And yet better, because it's full of wisdom. It preaches to me about the process. It reminds me that I'm not alone. It makes me laugh and cry and hope. It's like sitting down with an old war buddy and talking about the times we had and the things we saw and the friends we lost. There is a unique connection that's shared by those who have gone through the fire. And the authors of this book certainly have done so, and they show it on every page. And I was thinking about this recently, and I thought it'd be rewarding to send out similar inspiration to all of you, whether you're a traditional artist or just a human making your life a work of art. Because both are glorious acts of creation, and they should be held up and encouraged and applauded. I'll do my best. With any luck, we'll all walk away from this episode with a bounce in our step. Well worth the time, don't you think? Now, I've hinted at it a few times, but let me say something right up front because I don't want anybody feeling left out of this conversation. Creativity is more than just fine art. Just because you are not a writer or a sculptor or a dancer or whatever, this does not mean that you are not creative or that you don't have artistry in you. This lie that only fine arts count has discouraged so many creative people who simply find their outlet elsewhere. My wife, for instance. She sees data and numbers and calculations the way a painter sees pigments and hues and shading. She can take a mess of numbers and information and work it like clay and then tell you things you never could have known until she molded them for you. She can tell a story with spreadsheets. That's art. That's creation. It counts. Now, it just so happens that she's also a writer, which is amazing to me, that she can create in both mediums. And my point here is that one medium is not more artistic than the other. There's another book called The Artisan's Soul by a guy named Erwin McManus that does a great job hammering this truth home. He puts it this way, We were created to create. Beavers create dams, bees create hives, ants create colonies, but humans create futures. I think this insight is vital. We are all creative beings. You may not write any songs, but maybe you make magic when it comes to landscaping. You're never going to chisel out a marble sculpture, 
but you make a home where anyone who walks in knows they're truly welcome. The list goes on and on. Creation, art, artistry. They are so much broader than we typically think. So even though this episode I'm going to dwell in my area of expertise, which is writing, I want you to hear me. Don't let anyone tell you you are not creative. What it looks like will be different for everyone. And just because it ain't your career doesn't mean it ain't beautiful and worth your time. Everything I'm about to say about storytelling and writing goes way beyond the art of words. So take these things to heart, okay? They are meant for you. When I was a younger man, God, this is going on 20 years now, I discovered an author named Stephen Pressfield, specifically his epic novel about the Battle of Thermopylae, where an allegiance of 300 Spartans and a few thousand other Greeks held off a Persian army of two million soldiers for several days. That novel is the most rich narrative experience I think I've ever had. It weaves a tale so strong and thorough and ties up every strand without being tried. Do you have any idea how hard that is to do? So I have a great deal of respect for Mr. Pressfield. And among his other writings is a stirring work apropos for today. It's called The War of Art. It's chock full of so much wisdom and insight and motivation and practical tips. But what I love the most about it is that it brings the discipline and ferocity of the warrior into the realm of creativity. He talks about the difference between dabbling and turning pro. And the heart of that difference is not just about doing the work and putting in the hours. It's about how you think of yourself. It's about putting a name on your creative force, bolting it into place within your internal machinery and making it a pivotal part of your life. A lot of people I know who want to write, their first big step is just learning to say out loud, I'm a writer. It seems silly, but it's real important. See, by claiming that mantle, you empower yourself to bring forth. You frame your days. You drive your choices. You rebuke resistance and naysayers and doubts. It's powerful. And this goes for any kind of creativity. To fully unleash it, you need to claim it. You need to tell your soul and the world around you what to expect. Because without that, you can't even begin the journey toward enduring creative achievements. You're still a civilian. Nothing wrong with civilians, but to create, you gotta arm up. If you're gonna join the fight, you need to put on the uniform. But once you do, you'll look around and see you're a part of an army. Comrades are everywhere, and you're all in the same battle. And to wage it is to win it. So lock and load, soldier. There's a victory out there with your name on it.
can't have a discussion about creativity without touching on the strange and prolific Mr. Stephen King. That man's imagination is wild, weird, and free, and we are all the beneficiaries. Growing up, I always knew King was a famous and successful author, that he wrote scary stories, many of which became well-known TV and film adaptations. But once I got on the writing horse myself, I began to see his work in a new way. And during that period of my life where I was drinking in every book about writing that I could find, I was told that I must read On Writing, A Memoir of the Craft by Stephen King. Once I cracked it open and buckled up for the ride, I understood why. Like many writing legends, King's got a lot of tips on discipline and mindset and routine. He's got some wild stories and some ecstatic reveries. But what I loved about King's book is that he made clear that he's not just a pro, he's a fan. He loves his medium. He geeks out. He likes towering works of staggering genius and pulpy lowbrow horror. He's always reading and always talking about books. He loves words and sentences and literary movements. And his assertion, and I think it holds water, is that someone who wants to write stories should love stories and be an avid story reader. Or, as I would translate it, you gotta have joy. You gotta like what you're doing. Whether music or architecture or SEO algorithms, those who don't simply do it but love it will create the best work. And they'll have fun. It's so simple, yet so easy to forget, especially for me. We have to stay rooted in joy, because joy is the most potent creative spark and the longest-lasting fuel. If you can love what you do every day, love what you create, and appreciate the creations of others in that same medium, the world is your oyster. You'll find pleasure everywhere, and you'll be contagious and don't we all want to live in a world like that? It may be work sometimes, but today, go find the joy. It's out there. All you gotta do is look. Now, 
Even as I motion toward all these other successful creators, I want to make a point that I rarely hear made. When it comes to your creation, the how is ultimately up to you. Don't get lost in method books. You don't have to follow anyone else's system. Ain't no flawless formula, no paint-by-numbers, win-the-jackpot procedure when it comes to artistry. There are tried-and-true techniques, sure, especially if you're creating in a field where technical proficiency and accuracy is a must. But even then, how you order and combine and evolve those techniques must be authentic to you. Because creation is alchemy. It is a summoning of hidden things, the closest thing to bringing something out of nothing that humans ever experience. And what we create and how we create inevitably flows from who we are. Thus, we must each find our own way, our own regimen, our own touch points, our own process, our own voice. And if anyone tells you that their method is the method you have to use exactly to create, chances are they are either irredeemably pompous, thoroughly ignorant, a hack, a con artist, or something equally unhelpful. Not that they have nothing to say. Their analysis of finished works can be useful fodder for how to think of your work. Potentially tools for helping you find your way out of a corner. But that's it. They are simply things that have worked for other people. Chances are low that they'll be exactly what you need. But what you need is already in you. Nothing wrong with looking elsewhere for some direction. Influences are helpful, illuminating and energizing. But ultimately, you're going to have to make your own thing your own way. And that's good. It means you'll make things that are true to you. And those are the most valuable things you can give the world. Because no one else but you can make them. And if you don't make them, they'll never exist. And we'll all be the worse for it. Don't get bogged down in finding the right way. Find your way and get to work. Speaking of authenticity, follow me down a little writer tangent. Sometimes I despair at the business side of art. I mean, money's obviously a boon to creativity. Stability unleashes us to dream and we need modern day patrons. But it has been my experience that inside the halls of power there's far too much ignorant speculation about what people will like, mean and pay for, instead of what's worth making. And that's sad. It's so misguided. You can't ever guess what people will like or pay to see. And sometimes people will like and pay to see schlock or drivel or titillation or obscenity. You know? I mean, what do you think the adult film industry is? When it comes to artistry, 
Other people's opinions or tastes or desires cannot be our guiding light. Don't worry too much about what's hot right now. Don't worry too much about what your audience wants. It just might paralyze you. That's what happened to me. I gave credence to someone on the business side who was trying to guide screenwriters to make creative choices based on predicted budgets. Sounds reasonable. Hard to work in this town if you don't know how to factor that in. But it threw me down a black hole creatively. Because budget choices and narrative choices are ultimately unrelated. And the former only confused the latter until very, very late in the process. I didn't get that. And in trying to follow this guy's advice, I got lost. Spun me out so bad I'm still finding my way back. But what helps is remembering that the works I love, the most inspired, the transcendent, the luminous, these have endured despite how non-commercial they are or may have seemed at their birth. Now, I can see the opposite perspective, and I know that money and art will always be in a tussle about what's feasible versus what's the best choice. But to the creators, take warning from me. Don't create what you think someone will like or just what you guess is feasible. Create what's actually in you to create. That way, if you succeed, you can joyfully keep doing the thing you love instead of having to keep doing something you only did to earn money. Because that's emptiness. It's a dead-end job. It'll steal your life as much as anything. It ain't success. It's golden handcuffs. So now that we've talked about the more high-flown ideals of creation, true humanity, identity, community, enthusiasm, individuality, and authenticity, let's ground ourselves, shall we? Because the nitty-gritty truth is that artistry is active. It is practical. It is physical. It happens in time and space and everyday life. You gotta take out your toolbox. You gotta head into the shop. You got to go to the job site. You know what I mean? To create, you must actually create. And that involves discipline, mental toughness, a knowledge of your craft and the willpower to execute it. But may we commiserate for a second? Oftentimes I hate remembering this point. I just want to feel euphoria. I just want to be swept away as I write or play or compose. It can feel untruthful to do your creative work when your heart's really not in it that day. Trust me, even making this podcast has tested my resolve frequently. But it's also reminded me that you can't ever create anything that'll bring you to the heights unless you're willing to climb the mountain, to claw your way up, even if you're tired or low or feeling weak. And that's a difficult thing. It's why a lot of people don't create or try and quit, 
or have to take breaks or set it down for a while because creating can be really hard. It can be frustrating, maddening. It can feel so pointless, so useless. But let's remind ourselves of the transcendent moments we've had that are the result of some brave creator's strength and perseverance, blood, sweat, and tears. They did it, and we got to enjoy it. So, our work, do we owe it to the world? Maybe. Do we owe it to ourselves? Hmm. If you're in a rough patch right now, I ain't trying to knock you down. But let me encourage you to take hold of the tools again. One more time. Day by day. Chip away at that marble. Work those numbers. Analyze and press on. It ain't nothing. And it might become something that endures or at the very least, stirs and uplifts another person. And ain't that worth it? Please indulge me as I repeat myself, but I have to, because this bit is so important. See, I think a multitude of people listening to this episode may feel despair because they're not quote-unquote an artist. So this whole idea of creativity is something they feel left out of, even exiled from. But that's a lie. Hear me again, people. If you are a human, artistry is inside you. It's broader than fine art or creative art, or whatever other qualifier you want to use. Everyone has something in them that they can craft to such a fine degree that it can be called an art. It can live as a compelling creation that stands unique in the world. Fun example, my youngest. She loves bugs. Creepy crawlies, bees, roly-polies, spiders. If it has six legs plus, she's a fan. She catches them and collects them and puts them in little terrariums that she makes out of leftover food containers. And it brings her life. It's an art, the way she handles those creatures. And we make a point to tell her so. Or, here's another example I love. I went to a high school with an overrepresentation of literal geniuses. And there was this one guy who was an electronics savant. He knew how to combine circuitry in ways I couldn't even begin to understand. He was building his own electric guitar from scratch. And one time, he saw me playing my guitar and started gushing about his in words that sounded like a foreign language to me. But I could tell by his face 
that had I understood what he was saying, I would have been as over the moon as he was. What he did was an art. And those like him have created things that other artists like myself now get to use to create further. This microphone, my computer, my guitar. Guys like me didn't build those. Guys like him did. And this is what I mean. Creation is your birthright. Whatever you got inside, whatever dreams are woven into who you are, know that they have value. They can be brought to life. And you're the one to do it. It may not garner fame or fortune, but it will bring beauty into being. And people will experience it and be amazed and transported. And they'll know that they have been in the presence of an artist. And that's you. That's it for today, my friends. Thanks for listening to my creation. If you enjoyed it, please do subscribe, rate, and review, and share it with a friend who needs to remember their creative spark. If you want to reach out to me, I'm on Twitter at Alien, or you can drop me a line using RevenantAlien.com contact. If you want to support the show and what it might become, head on over to RevenantAlien.com support and follow the link to my anchor page. And if you're ever wondering about ultimate creation, why we're here, who we are, how to live. You can find my thoughts on that at revenantalien.com slash searchers. May not surprise you, but it's worth chewing on. Don't be a stranger. Godspeed. And I'll see you out there. (laughs) 